Right, turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter 2, uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. It can be found on page 1018 in the Pew Bible. 1018 in the Pew Bible. 2 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. Second Peter 2, 1 through 3. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do ask now that you would give us wisdom and insight into these words, that we might rightly apply them, and that our hearts would be conformed to Christ and his image. In Jesus' name, amen. We've all been affected by a virus of some sort, some more serious than others, some lasting longer than others. It's a reality that we have to deal with in this sinful and fallen world. They are unavoidable. Sometimes we choose to ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist. My family, not my family here, but my family of generations before me had a history of ignoring signs and symptoms of disease. They just ignored it. What happens in these instances? Well, generally, eventually, it, it could grow into something worse. It could, it could work its way throughout the body and infect it and potentially destroy it. But the body is also in an amazing thing that the Lord has, has, has made. Right? When viruses enter the physical body, our bodies recognize their existence and it begins to fight and respond to eliminate the virus. That's the way our bodies work. Now, this is not a, a science lesson or a health lesson, all right? But I do want you to recognize that, that when we generally take necessary measures to build up our immune systems so that we're not impacted by the virus. We, we don't generally tolerate them or approve of them, but we often seek to identify, to, to eliminate viruses in our life. And in, in a similar way, in our passage this morning, our text this morning, false teachers are a lot like a virus seeking to attack the church body. And if we want to remain grounded in Christ and, and make a difference in our communities for Christ, we must also then recognize the danger, the existence and danger of false teachers. Peter teaches us here that false teaching is destructive. It is destructive to the person and results in destruction, and it is destructive for the church and for the world. So as Peter begins this section, he wants us to be certain of the existence and danger of false teachers. And throughout this chapter, we'll be looking at false teachers. It doesn't sound like a lot of fun, right? He's just going to unpack false teachers and and uh, their existence, their destiny, their, their characteristics, the ways they impact us. So first, even as we look at these few verses, consider with me the description of the false teachers. 
the description of the false teachers. Notice, notice verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Peter paints a picture for us of the false teachers in this section. He, he seeks to help the church identify these false teachers that exist so that they'll be aware of them and they won't follow after them. Peter links this passage to what he has stated in the previous section, what we looked at last week. He reminded the church that he did not follow cleverly devised myths when he spoke of the second coming of Christ. He defended his own words with his apostolic, with his eyewitness testimony and, he, and the prophetic word, the Old Testament scriptures. And he challenged the church to pay attention, pay attention to the word. Because what is said in scripture did not come from the prophet's own ideas or their own understanding and interpretation. But they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament scriptures are reliable. Because God let holy men who were taught by the Holy Spirit write the Bible. And Peter acknowledges that there were false teachers that lived within Israel. And we highlighted this even last week with, with Jeremiah 23. In Jeremiah 23, 16, false prophets fill you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. In other words, false prophets in the Old Testament, they gave false hope, they speak out of their own thoughts, and they promise good news to those who despise the word. Peter is stating that just as there were false prophets in the history of Israel, so also there will be false teachers among the church. It's unavoidable. They will exist. Just as they've existed from the very beginning of time with, with the beginning of Satan, the father of lies, the deceiver, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The pattern of the false prophets is then picked up with the, the false teachers that existed in the early days, in the days of the early church. Matthew seven fifteen, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Paul told the elders in Ephesus in Acts 20, 29, that fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. And then he commends God's word to them. Jude 4, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of, God, of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So Peter here, he recognized the existence of, of false teachers and the, and the danger of false teachers. Notice, notice how he, he describes them in verse 1. There will be false teachers among you, among you. The, the false teachers were within the church body. Very much like the, the false prophets in the Old Testament. They were, in a sense, a part of the, the old covenant community within Israel. They, were outside, they, they weren't outsiders teaching a contrary message. 
right? They professed to be Israelites. And by all appearances, they were. And the same was true of the church. In the church, the false teachers were within. And we see here that they they secretly brought in, they bring in destructive heresies. So here they are, they're, they're in the church, and they bring into the church a teaching that comes from outside of the church, which destroys. They were teaching things that were contrary to God's word. And it caused factions and divisions, disunity within the body. Right? So, so Peter, Peter would be describing something different than false religions. Okay? Whether it's Buddhism or Hinduism or Confucianism or Taoism or Zen or Islam. Okay? In, in these religions, we know these false religions, there's no claim to being Christian. There's no identification with Jesus, except that maybe he's a good moral teacher or another one of the gods. Now, if, if, if they were mixing these things within Christianity, right, Synch- syncretism, we might think of syncretism. If they're mixing these outside things with their Christianity, we might have a picture of what's going on here. Or we might think of it in terms of cults, right, that, that They profess to be Christian, but bring a message that is contrary to the clear teaching of Scripture. And they twist the Scriptures to their own advantage, much like the prosperity gospel. False teachers were among the church, and they introduced destructive heresies. They might sound Christian, and I don't think they were hiding what they were teaching. So it's not like they just, they come in and they're just real quiet about it. I don't think that's what's going on. There, there seems to be a recognition by Peter, right, of, of what they were doing and a recognition of their rejection of what Peter was teaching. But at the same time, I don't, I don't think it was completely obvious. Otherwise, they wouldn't have followed their ways. They're not coming in saying, hey, I'm a false teacher. <laughs> right? They're not doing that. So, so what was the nature of their heresy? What was the nature of their teaching? It was likely that they were mixing in things from their own culture and bringing it into the church. And the false teachers in Peter's day, they contradicted the clear teaching of Scripture by rejecting Peter's words, right, the apostolic testimony, and they rejected the Old Testament prophetic word, right? We saw that in chapter 1. They promoted immoral living, chapter 2. We'll see it here in our text. They rejected any notion of Christ's second coming and future judgment, chapter 3. They caused divisions and factions. We see that in our text here. And they resembled the flock, right? It's the picture that Jesus gives. A wolf in sheep's clothing. They look outwardly. They look right. And... What else uh, do we see about these false teachers? At the end of verse 1, they even denied the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. False teachers are dangerous. Their teaching is destructive. They give the appearance of being Christian, but they deny Christ by their actions. Now, as we apply this, we are to be on guard. We are to be aware of the existence 
in danger of false teachers. We should be able to identify them, right? And we, as we saw from last week, we are to pay attention then to the word of God, right? Which is a lamp shining in a dark place. We also recognize in applying this, I think this is necessary to mention, as my former pastor rightly said, there's a difference there's a difference between being defective and being heretical. Beware of charging that someone is outside, of orth- out- outside the bounds of orthodoxy when in fact the only issue is that they disagree with you. We need to ask ourselves if the brother or simply disagrees with us and with our theology. Right? We, we think of different denominations that have come as a result of disagreements between, between cer- certain things that Scripture might teach and, and even how we understand certain aspects of Scripture. Right? We, we, we recognize these things. This doesn't mean someone's a heretic. Okay? That's what I want, you to, I, wanna, I want you to know. We're not on a heresy hunt. Okay? We're not on a heresy hunt or critiquing every little thing that someone says. Oh, just wait, just wait. Are they a heretic? Oh, we don't want to, we don't, that's not what we're doing here, right? All of us are still in the process of growing in wisdom, in the wisdom and knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? None of us have it all figured out. So we can and should extend grace. We can and should extend grace with those that we disagree with. Another application point I want to make here is that the false teachers were denying the master. This is in in an ongoing way. This is, the pattern was a continual denial, a continual rejection of Jesus Christ and his authority in their life. The application then for us is what? Don't deny Jesus, right? Don't deny Jesus. Think about this. Think about this. Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And yet, Peter was restored. If you're here today, and you are rejecting Jesus Christ in your life, if you are denying him, if you haven't acknowledged him as the Lord of your life, I pray and plead with you this morning to do so. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Don't deny him. Christ died on the cross for our sins so that we might praise him, that we might serve him, that we might live for him. The warning is clear that Jesus gave in Matthew 10. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Don't reject Jesus the way the false teachers were. But repent and return to Jesus and submit to his lordship over your life. Second, second point is this. Let's consider now the the impact, the impact of the false teachers. 
So look with me now at at verse 2. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. They have a negative impact on the life and witness of the church. We, we see here that they, they gain a following. Large crowds gather. Large crowds follow them. These false teachers were successful in gaining a crowd. Now, just because a teacher or a church has a lot of people doesn't mean they're teaching something false. Okay? What's interesting here is that the people aren't necessarily attracted to their doctrine, right, to what they're teaching, but to their lifestyle. Did you catch that? The false teachers were drawing away professing Christians who would follow them into their sensuality, into this immoral lifestyle. Now, there is a tie and connection between what one believes and how one acts, absolutely. People became disciples of the false teachers rather than disciples of Christ, all while professing to be Christians. And what impact did that have on the church's witness? The end of verse 2. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. When those who claim to follow Christ live like the world, it has a negative impact on the reputation of Christ and his church. It negatively affects our gospel witness and effectiveness. The way of truth will be blasphemed. The unbelieving world sees the immorality of the church and responds by slandering and, ri- slandering and ridiculing the gospel. Here described as, did you catch how he described it? The way of truth. Peter seems to be highlighting that the, the good news about Jesus Christ is it's a way. Right? It, it, it's a lifestyle. Not just facts that we believe in our head. Well, I know certain things. It involves a lifestyle transformation by those who repent and believe in Christ. When professing Christians follow false teachers into sensuality, our witness in the community is affected. The way of truth to the outsider looks like the way of error. And they end up saying something like this. If that's what Christianity is like, I want no part of it. Don't they? Have you heard that? Something like that? I saw this at, at the place I used to work. Peter declared in his first letter that it is better for us to be slandered for doing good actions, do, doing good deeds than for doing evil. Because the hope is that our good conduct would then lead them to Christ and be saved. And that's my hope. That's what my hope is for us. So let's strive to live lives of repentance, right? We, we don't have it all figured out. Let's strive to live lives of repentance and obedience. Let's not follow after the ways of this world, nor lose our gospel witness and effectiveness. We can and should continually acknowledge our own sinfulness, 
our own faults, our own failures, our own defects, all while pointing them to Jesus, the only one that can save us from our sins, right? We don't tell the world, I've got it all figured out. My life is perfect. Then they'll think, oh, I need to trust in what you're, in you. No, 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 no. We, we point them to Jesus, the only one that can save us. But at the same time, let's not conform to the pattern of false teachers. But let's be transformed and seek to imitate and obey Jesus in all areas of life in hope that we might have a, a positive impact on our communities for Christ. Third and, third and finally, the destiny of the false teachers. The destiny of the false teachers. We see this in, in verse 3. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. In this verse, Peter explains their motive and their destiny or their, their outcome. It's a, it's a selfish desire for personal gain at the expense of others. They would be looking to obtain a wealth so they could satisfy their own desires and wants. And, and they do this by exploiting people with false words. Right, the idea here is that they were the ones who were creating cleverly devised myths. Right? Unlike Peter, these were the ones that were creating cleverly devised myths. Their words were fake. Their words were fabricated. They were, they were counterfeit. And th- this is where we get the word plastic from. Yeah, this is the word plastic, actually plastic. They used plastic words, false words. It was, it's a substitute for the real thing to get people to give them money. A relative of mine, several years ago, a relative of mine that was young in the faith was taken advantage of by false teachers and a false teaching with a prosperity message. I don't remember what she was seeking necessarily, but she heard something like this. If you just send a certain amount of money, then we'll do this or that for you. In Jesus' name. And she did. She did. And she never heard anything back. We're not surprised by that, are we? She didn't hear anything back. Deceit is at the root of these false teachers. Personal gain is their motivation. Now, what's their destiny? Their doom is sure. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. And just as he said in verse 1, they bring in destructive heresies, and it brings swift destruction. Their destruction is not asleep. False teaching is destructive, and it leads to destruction. The outcome of the false teachers is final judgment. They will be condemned. We'll be spending more time on this next week. That's a sad reality. We'll be spending this, Peter's going to unpack this in in verses 4 through 10. But what we observe here is that condemnation, final destruction, will come to those who deny Christ. Those who introduce false teaching and deny Christ will receive swift 
destruction. They will bring swift destruction upon themselves. It could be said of these false teachers, what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Even though these false teachers rejected the truth of future judgment, this doesn't prevent it from happening. Their condemnation and destruction is not idle. And what we can learn from this passage is that what one believes impacts not only their conduct, but their eternal destiny. And this is a call and reminder for us to keep believing in Jesus Christ. I tell my kids this all the time. Keep believing in Jesus. You say you believe in Jesus? Keep trusting in him. Keep trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Continue to live for him. And, and, and the promise that's given to us is what? Eternal life. Eternal life. I kept asking myself this question as I was wrestling with this passage. Why does Peter want the church to know these things about the false teachers? Because right? it's not like he's telling the false teachers this, unless they're in their midst. He's addressing the church. Why tell the church that false teachers exist and that they're dangerous and bring destructive ways into the life of the church? And throughout this letter, we see that Peter, who's approaching death, he wants to protect the church. He wants to protect the church from this virus, which is the false teachers. He wants them to be established in God's word. He's urging them to live a life that brings praise and honor to God, that they would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. He desires to see the gospel advance, doesn't he, and not be blasphemed. He desires that God's name and reputation would be praised. So before we conclude, I, I, I've mentioned this before, and I think, it, I think it's helpful in regard to applying this. I, I want to give you four ways that, that can help identify false teaching. Four ways that can identify false teaching that would be out of bounds of Christianity. Okay, this is out of bounds. So the, so the question is this. How do you identify false teachers of the kind that Peter might be referring to? Okay, so we use the four basic operations of math, right? Addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. Addition. They add an additional source of authority and place it alongside the Bible. Perhaps written by another person or prophet or a founder of that group. Or even in the case of 2 Peter, they completely diminish authority. They diminish God's authority. Whether the Old Testament or the apostolic witness the New Testament, and they elevate their own authority, right? So they diminish God's word, they elevate their own. We're the authority, they, they might have said in their heart. 
So that's addition. Subtraction. Subtraction. They subtract from Christ by seeking to make him less than God or by elevating man, we become God. What did the false teachers take away here? Second coming, the future judgment, the word of God, the authority of Christ in their life for those who profess to be believers. They, they took all these things away. Multiplication. Multiplication. A false teacher or a counterfeit group will multiply the requirements for salvation. Usually it's some form of works. Division. Division. They, they divide a person's loyalty between Christ and the leader. They divide the person's loyalty between Christ and the leader. You have to go through the leader in order to receive salvation. That's addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. So, as we conclude, in light of the danger of false teachers who seek to lead us astray, might we be alert? Might we be on guard? And might our church remain spiritually healthy and strong? Okay, that's what I want for us, is to remain spiritually healthy and strong as we follow Christ as our Lord and Savior. And might we then have a positive impact in the lives of those that we interact with. And may God be glorified and praised. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we recognize that false teachers exist. They're dangerous. They're like a virus that seeks to attack the church, and we must identify them and eliminate them. And so we do pray, even as, as a church body here, we pray that you would strengthen us spiritually, that we would be built up in the Lord to fight and to reject and eliminate false teaching. We pray here that the gospel would go forth from us, that God's name, your name, would not be blasphemed, but that we might have an impact on those around us for the sake of Jesus Christ, that you might be praised and glorified. Oh, that we would praise you and that others would praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.